Welcome to Indie's Augmented Reality Podcast. Welcome to the first episode of Indie's Augmented Reality Podcast. We are really excited to be exhibiting some of our early stage products and prototypes at the upcoming AT&T Shape Tech and Entertainment Expo in Los Angeles in mid-July. Um, our Chief Technology Officer, Norby, our Chief Product Officer, Chava, and our R&D Director, Tommy, are here to share some really exciting background info on what we'll be showcasing at Shape. View our computer vision analytics system, wearable AR object recognition, and other HoloLens and mobile AR demos. Chava, what's the technology and concept behind View? The concept behind View is, uh, well, basically a standalone computer vision device that measures human engagement in any space. So, how we came or we arrived to the to identify the need of this product. Um, basically, in, our, in the experience in installing or making these installations all over the world, the, the indie installations, we realized that uh, we had physical proof of the engagement of the people with our installation. So a lot of people in front of the screens, a lot of people happy and smiling, but we didn't have any digital metric to measure these things. So we're starting to, to look into the computer vision way to to have an opportunity to measure this, uh, this engagement. So we started from the very beginning identifying that um, this, uh, this device uh, shouldn't be intrusive, shouldn't be, you know, like in your face. It will be something that measures in a natural way what is your reaction to some, uh, to some experience, what is your reaction to some space. So when we identified this need, we, we came up with a prototype and, we, and it started to, to, to be very successful. So now we are developing in a, in a full product. Sounds very exciting <clears throat> and useful as well. Um, what might be the next iteration of you? The next iteration is to what we want to do is, a, is some affordable system, like a little bit of punk rock style, like do it yourself. Grab this device put it in the place that you want to, to measure some, some reactions of the people and then receive the data in your mobile phone. So uh, we are like aiming for, for simplicity in this way. I don't know, it's, it will be like metrics for, for, for everyone. Uh, in that sense, what is the goal with this? Is uh, to provide every people a deeper understanding in their own audience, a deeper understanding uh, when they need to, to take decisions about, you know, like... Uh, how make a configuration of the space, how, where to place some specific offers. Uh, so in that sense, uh, the next iteration will aim to close the gap between the digital persona and the, and the real life consumer in, in any space. Sounds great. Uh, Tommy, you've been experimenting with HoloLens. Um, can you tell us what it's capable of by default? Uh, what you've uh, trained the device to do and what challenges you face. Hello, yes. HoloLens is able to project so-called holograms into your sur uh, surrounding environment. For example, you can stand in front of a dyno or even you can go around it. And in technical point of view, uh, the, the HoloLens device is able to measure the spatial uh, relationship between uh, the current environment. And our goal is to enrich the, the capabilities of HoloLens uh, beside the spatial mappings. So we would like to add some uh, semantic understanding of the scene 
for example, the HoloLens is, is able to know the objects where uh, the objects are located in the space where is it located, but it doesn't know anything about the spatial position. And what we would like to do, and what we are doing now, that we can recognize that object. So we can see uh, we can say this object is, for example, a couch or a lamp or something like that. And for this for this purpose, we use deep learning, and deep learning is very resource intensive. So we have the challenge: how can we apply deep learning on the HoloLens? I think maybe this is the biggest challenge. Okay, so. how accurate is it? Can you tell? Is it possible to tell? Like in percentage? It depends on the particular object. So. And it depends on what what have you trained on. So if you would like to, if you are interested in, for example, uh, furniture, you can train on a particular data set. For, for example, you collect a lot of uh, images from couches, tables, etc. And you can train, train on it and it will be more more accurate than, than some general data sets. But in terms of numbers, it might be up to 80 or up to 90 percent. But, but in that sense, it's uh, it's a little bit of the learning curve. It's like teaching a kid how to identify things, right? Yes, exactly. So it's just providing a lot of, uh, of information uh, about like a big data set in order to start to identify and be more accurate. Yes, exactly, because it mimics, it mimics the human brain, the learning procedure behind the deep learning. It's called convolutional neural nets, and it, it uses the spatial mappings, the spatial relationships, which is really important in, term, uh, in the in case of the images, because you, you you should retain the spatial correlation between the image pixels. Yeah, and and it's working exactly the same as the human brain. Which is make it makes it more exciting because the use case that we can see about how to apply this technology, it's, it's massive. So if we think in terms of e-commerce, yeah, the, it's, it's the most evident, right? So you see some couch that you want to, to buy or one environment, you can, the device can understand what's on the on that scene and make suggestions. But yeah. if you put it in a more complex level, for instance, you can provide um, some information for someone that cannot see, yeah. basically. So that makes it like mind blowing because you can recognize the space, you can you're not able to see, but you have this device and you have a, a, an audio output and then you can touch, a, 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 I don't know, watermelon and the device can say, yeah, this is a watermelon. So in that sense, I think that the possibilities of this technology are kind of really interesting. Wow, that's what I was actually going to ask. Um, my next question would be, uh, well, mass adoption of mixed reality wearables is only expected several years from now, but which industries do you guys think will benefit the most from the technology? And can you share some real life examples? Well, I think uh, the industrial users will first use the, these wearable headsets uh, for training purposes and, uh, and maintenance, for, and maintenance example. for example. And also the, the manufacturing process will benefit greatly because uh, the workers next to the, the, the conveyor belts or whatever you call them uh, can wear a device like this and they can see exactly what part of what uh, step of this uh, process they are, they need to make and what kind of uh, tool they need to reach for and that tool uh, what will that tool do uh, to the part that they are working on so uh, i think that's the first uh, step because uh, even now there are companies that are starting to use this technology for this one 
So then, then we are talking about yeah, training, but it, it also can be translated into learning, yeah. which is really interesting. For instance, I don't know if you know, but uh, Tommy, our, our research and development director, he also plays in a band. He plays guitar, right? Yes. How did you learn to play guitar? <laughs> By myself. By myself. But have you seen like any YouTube video showing how to make some riffs? Or? Yes, and I use tablatures. So tablatures, really exactly. To, yes. I, I, I used to learn in the same way, like when I was playing the bass. And it's the thing, like you try to adapt the, what is written in a, in a paper with the tablatures, like, okay, you try to follow the things. What happens if we put the tablatures in the bass or in the guitar or in the drums? You're learning drums. Yeah, and I'm and it's existing application in piano. Exactly. You can project the, the, the notes mm -hmm. and it will, it will turn on when you can put that. So there's a big amount of people, a big audience in YouTube going just to learn something, to learn something via a video. But what happens if we can overlay with this mixed uh, reality technology, the, the knowledge in a layer that it's, it's contextual. So you are not, we completely eliminate the bridge between watching a screen, watching your computer and executing the, the task. Mm -hmm. that's, that's when the things start to get interesting because then it's ma mass adoption. So is this kind of learning process is not exclusive for the industrial, uh, the industrial um, area, but for everyone that wants to learn something and how we learn by mimic most of the times. Yeah, but, but the, the bottleneck right now is the availability availability of the devices yeah, exactly. so that's why the first uh, step is the industrial uh, users because they have the means and ability and of course the, the money to buy these uh, <laughs> these devices because uh, for example if you take hololens it's three thousand dollars so buying my kids two of those it's just easy busy <laughs> Yeah, but then we are talking about the about the the challenges on the on the mass adoption. Yeah. But there's some interesting things coming, right? So yeah, recently there's been a lot of talk about AR Kit. Uh, Apple's newly released AR framework Norby. Uh, how is AR Kit changing the AR landscape? So Sorry. so I think there are two aspects of the impact of the AR Kit. Uh, one is the framework itself, the technology behind the AR Kit. Uh, uh, the technology and the, the quality of the tracking is mind-blowing for me, mm -hmm. uh, especially if you compare it to uh, the earlier versions of Mobile AR when we had those black hero markers and placed cubes <laughs> on it and we were excited. Give us a reference. When you started to work with the AR? Uh, 2010, 11, I think. So it's already like six years it's of development and this is kind of mind-blowing for you. Yeah, and, and to be honest, uh, the technology itself is, was sort of there. So the, the, um, the um, algorithms and stuff like that, mm -hmm. they, are, they were there. It's just uh, it was waiting for someone to put the resources and uh, the manpower behind it and the money behind it to perfect it. And I, I think uh, Apple is close to that. Uh, well, if we are considering that they will release it to the public in fall of this year. Yeah. So one year and we were talking about 200 million devices all over the world. They are ready, which is really interesting. Yeah, that's that's the second part of the impact that I was going to mention. So even if you if you consider that uh, maybe not all of those devices will be able to uh, run ARKit uh, in its full power, mm -hmm. uh, it's a, it's a huge uh, huge market uh, opened up yeah. in September, and it's uh, I don't know 100, mm -hmm. 100 million uh, devices mm -hmm. ready to uh, run AR. 
Do you know what's interesting also? Because like uh, the tests that we have been making in-house are based on iPad. Yes. So iPad now, they, we have a new iPad, it's, it's more comfortable. So the screen size matters here. So in a way, because like, okay, you have the same capa capability in your iPhone. However, when you have a bigger screen, it looks cooler. Oh yeah, absolutely. It looks cooler. And uh, I think it's, it's uh, not just looks cooler, it's uh, more, I wouldn't say immersive because that's, that's a keyword reserved for uh, headsets and VR <laughs> and stuff like that. But it's, uh, it's, it's a better experience because you are seeing the digital content in a larger uh, mm -hmm. screen yeah. uh, instead of a, a small, uh, I don't know, mm -hmm. iPhone 2 screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's, uh, it, it's a lot better. I, I think what, what matters here with ARKit is that it's able to uh, like digitally understand your environment mm -hmm. and uh, sort of map your environment mm -hmm. that allows you to place uh, digital content on, on flat surfaces because mm -hmm. it knows what's flat and what's not. And also what really helps with the blending of digital with the rear view is uh, the uh, lighting detection or lighting estimation. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because the, the AR kit just tries to uh, estimate the, the amount of lighting that you have mm -hmm. in your uh, real, in your room and then uh, tries to uh, match that in digitally. So yeah, that's, uh, because that's that's important for the that's, integration because uh, in the early days it was like, okay, yeah. I see something that is moving there, but it's not really integrated and everything is about light. Yeah. So everything about how the how the physical objects behave uh, on a certain lighting conditions, even the, the, the occlusion, like when one, surfaces, one surface touches another and this, this uh, little uh, occlusion, this little shadow that creates like, yeah. Having this by default is just like it helps a lot in the yeah that's the, that's the biggest challenge in the AR yeah. content development for example because uh, you can have the most beautiful lighting uh, set up uh, in Unity uh, and and you place that scene into your real world and it's just jump off the screen yeah. because it's not matched yeah. but uh, with AR kit it's possible to match the lighting at least the intensity of the lighting mm -hmm. and of course the next step will be to uh, generate some kind of a, a, a skybox or a a cube uh, that can light uh, your scene so in a dynamic way in a dynamic way exciting yeah, <laughs> well it's something to it's something to work on it's yeah. something we'll be looking into and uh, so it's uh, as I said as we said it's twofold the impact one is the technology itself and what it allows us to do now we don't really have to think about the tracking and the spend uh, weeks and weeks trying to figure out how to track a certain uh, uh, environment and map the digital content to it. We can now focus on the content itself and the experience itself and new ways to interact with digital, digital content. And then there's uh, the new market that's opened up or will be opened up once uh, they start downloading and installing iOS 11. Great. Um... About two weeks ago, I read a very interesting article um, saying Apple just created and killed a generation of AR businesses. What's your interpretation here? Well, that's a that's a really good uh, uh, approach. That's an interesting approach because yes, for one, uh, on one part, like there's a lot. There's 
companies like uh, like Buforia, for instance, that we are relying on the, on their own technology for tracking. But once that this uh, this kind of uh, of tracking is embedded into or or is native on the platform. It's interesting because now you don't need it. So there's a, a lot of companies in, in that direction that uh, that uh, probably they were creating their own uh, their own uh, software, their own tracking methods, their own platforms, and well, probably they need to look for a, for an alternative. But now, on the other hand, as it will be easier to implement these things, and as, as Norby mentioned, is um, uh, for the developers now it's easier to focus on the experience itself and not on the technology part. There will be a lot of people, as we can see now, the examples on, on, on the internet, like a lot of people testing, a lot of people making different and interesting approaches to, to this kind of new narrative. Uh, so that's why the, the, the new generation of app development could be. Yeah, I, I like to compare uh the AR flame framework and technology to Photoshop. Mm -hmm. People start using Photoshop, for example, they are, uh, well, back in the days in 1990, whatever, uh, when I started to use Photoshop, uh, it, it was when you added a drop shadow, you went crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for drop shadow, it's so cool. And it was completely meaningless, meaningless. So that's what uh, we are seeing with AR now. And what we will be seeing with AR, because the technology is there, Almost anyone could make uh, an AR experience or any AR content, but it it will matter more and more the the, the level of uh, quality on the on the content and and, and, and narrative the, and, and everything. So because now we we need to be super aware of something. This content is contextual, so it's not that you are just completely framing your experience into the screen. It is how, as a designer, how you integrate the environment. How, where are your uh, users going to play? Where are going to see? Like it's not that you are, you know, playing Candy Crush in your commute on your on the on the metro, and you just completely forget about everything. Yeah. What happens when you start to play inside the metro? Like people might think that you're crazy, but that's the that's the interesting, <laughs> exactly. that's the interesting thing because. Even when you are designing the experiences, you need to, to, to have on the consideration the surroundings, which I think that it's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's another challenge and another the, yeah. another thing to solve how you interact with the, the new the new AR, new digital content in AR, in mm -hmm. VR, in some... Yeah, but that, in, 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 a, in a way, with, with these surfaces like mobile devices, we are still constrained because we need to yeah. put our hands on the device. But that's why it's exciting, because yeah. it, it will eventually, in two years, three mm -hmm. years, 10 years, I don't know when, it will move to the wearables. Exactly, and we still don't know how what's the swipe on wearables, yeah. we still don't know what's the double kick on, on wearables, so in that sense, every time that we start to design a mixed reality experience, it's uh, it's, it's really interesting to start to figure out the, the patterns, the, the, the user experience patterns in order to make it understandable, natural, but not very complex, but mm -hmm. you you suddenly, you, you completely forget about, the, about uh, the two screens, it's like, okay, I need to prototype fast in the space i need to see the things in the space which which for me as, as a designer slash architect because that was my, my profession so exciting because now everything makes sense especially spatial uh, awareness makes sense and then uh, it adds a, a layer of complexity but also uh, a, a deeper meaning i think yeah i agree Thank you guys very much. We're really looking forward to Shape. Uh, just make sure you stop by. Or if you have any questions, 
um, make sure you email us, uh, visit our website, check out our videos, and we'll keep you posted. Thanks. Um, see you next Thank time. You. Yeah, see you next time. <laughs> okay. Hopefully. See you soon. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about Indie, please visit us at www.industry.com.